Hello and welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. On Thursday, May 13th, Queen's University announced that some of its researchers successfully produced a toxin found in a marine sponge in the fight against cancer. With us today to chat about this research are Dr. John Allingham, Associate Professor and Canada Research Chair in Structural Biology in the Department of Biomedical and Molecular Sciences, as well as Dr. Andrew Evans, Professor and Alfred R. Bader, Chair of Organic Chemistry in the Department of Chemistry, who will tell us more about the science of reproducing a natural toxin found in sponges that can block cancer cells from metastasizing. Welcome, John and Andrew. Thank you. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you both very, very much. Now, before diving in, can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves and your teaching and research at Queen's University? Uh, sure, I can go ahead, I guess. So, uh, Thank you, John. As, um, as you mentioned, I'm an associate professor in the Department of Biomedical and Molecular Sciences. Uh, so I was originally hired to Queen's as a Canada Research Chair in Structural Biology. So, so my background is looking at the structures of proteins within cells. And our research specifically focuses on proteins that perform the functions that are kind of analogous to muscles in our bodies that allow us to move around. The proteins we study are, are proteins that elicit shape changes and movement of cells to allow them to, to uh, wander from one place to another or divide uh, or to grip onto um, the tissues that surround them. And so, so my teaching is, is related to that. So I instruct students on what proteins look like, how they're expressed from our genome, and how they can be, be manipulated or their functions altered using drugs. And how about you, Andy? Yeah, so I'm the uh, Alfred R. Bader Chair of Organic Chemistry and the Tier 1 Canada Research Chair. And I came to Queen's about uh, nine years ago. Um, and uh, my research primarily is, is um, in a nutshell, sort of coming up with new ways to make things. So we, we develop new methods, new methodology to construct molecules and to do that easier. And then we also build a lot of natural products because they have this unusual, often have unusual biological activity. So we, we, um, we use our, our own methods and other people's methods to do that as well. And so then we have a, a, an area of, of expertise in medicinal chemistry, where we start to dissect those structures to try and find out where the, the active form is and see if we can come up with simpler analogs of those that can be easier, easily made and manipulated. Um, my teaching is, is in those areas. So basically I'm a synthetic organic chemist and I teach students in sort of classic, uh, the, the, the pre-med sort of classes in organic chemistry and also graduate courses in um, the more higher level uh, state-of-the-art courses that are, are relevant to them. Wonderful, thank you both so much for that. So what inspired you to undertake research and teaching in your respective fields? Have you always wanted to be in the disciplines that you were in? John, let's start with you. Uh, well, I think early on, even before I started university, I was always interested in, in, in how scientists did research. And I think like many people, um, I was impacted by having family members who, who um, had cancer or passed away from cancer. And, and, and before I started research, I was looking around at different universities and, and looking at the different departments that were, that were um, present at the universities and found that 
there was each university had a cancer research department, at least at the time I was looking. And so, so I knew I wanted to be part of that type of research field and to see how um, I could help make an impact in, in a positive way and in having you know, people not have to suffer from the disease and not have to have family members suffer from it. So, so that was kind of what, what hooked me at first. And so I went into a research lab that kind of allowed me to learn to study and manipulate cells in ways that could, could lead to um, new therapies that were applicable to treatment of diseases like cancer. Andy, how about you? Yeah, so, so uh, my parents actually wanted me to become a doctor or a dentist, and uh, that's why I was being pushed. But at an early age, I realized that, you know, that was not for me. I was, I was not so much of a people person. I was more of a person that would like to win a lab. And so at the age of 17, I was actually doing synthesis in high school. And my best friend used to come in and eat his lunch in the lab, which probably wouldn't be allowed today, um, <laughs> and watch me watch me actually uh, mixing these chemicals, doing synthesis, no safety glasses, <laughs> no precautions. And I just loved it. It was just something that I just loved doing. And it was just something that I, that, and after that, I just wanted to do that. That was, and, and I've never changed that sort of outlook on that to this day. And that's probably 40 years, 34 years ago. So it, it's, it's something that just hooked me. And, and from there, I, I, I carried, I just followed that trend through university and to where I am today. Amazing. And, and, and I'm guessing you are wearing safety glasses. Yeah, 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 today, we, today we would. Um, you know, but, uh, but back then, things were kind of lax. Even in high school, when you did experiments, uh, people didn't wear goggles. Wow. Times certainly have changed, haven't they? All right. Th well, thank you very much for sharing, both of you. So we are talking about uh, your new research innovations uh, uh, that your team has uh, recently announced. Let's hear more about this current research. Uh, your team has successfully reproduced a toxin found in, in sea sponges known to block cancer cells from metastasizing. So let's start at the beginning, if we can, with your team's motivations to actually reproduce this toxin. Where, where did you get inspired to start this research in the first place? Yeah, so I, I guess the project mainly started with me. So before I, I came to Queens, I was doing research at the University of Wisconsin um, under another supervisor. And this, this project came along out of a collaboration um, with another researcher from Japan who had collected um, some marine sponges and identified these chemicals within them that seemed to have these interesting activities. They were very deadly to a bunch of different types of cells. And we had some ideas about what hmm. they might target within those cells, but we didn't really know for certain. Um, and so that started a project that led us to try to, to see the interaction between the drug and whatever, the, whatever was being targeted inside the cell. And we discovered that it that it bound to this protein actin. That's one of these proteins I was talking about that acts as a muscle inside of cells to allow cells to crawl. Uh, and so, so we began looking at these and we mm -hmm. found out how exactly it binds and inhibits the action of, these, um, of this protein and, and how it inhibits um, processes like cancer cell division and cancer cell motility. And motility is a big problem that's never been properly addressed by any cancer therapy uh, that's been studied to date. And so, so this has been a, really a, a two decades long study that's gone on to try to identify as many compounds that are like um, 
Mikhail light as we can to understand how they work. And so, so the world is, is covered with interesting types of uh, creatures that, that produce these chemicals. Mikhail light um, comes from a sea sponge that's out of the North Pacific. And, and we'd figured out how exactly it bound to actin and wanted to design a drug out of it. And this sort of was a project that was continuing on at Queens that I was working on. And, it, and, it, and we got really, really lucky that we discovered that, um, that, that uh, Dr. Evans had joined Queens University as a Bader chair and was an expert in synthesizing complex molecules like this where we didn't have that ability to begin with. Mm -hmm. and so, so in order to, to be able to make something that was more like a drug and less like the natural um, thing that grows in, in these sponges, that's really kind of hard to get enough of to use as any kind of therapy, um, we needed to have a way to simplify it. And, and really uh, Andy's lab just provided that method and, 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 and really in a very short period of time after starting the collaboration, and, and, and it was a trial and error process. We made all kinds of different compounds. A lot of them didn't work um, and didn't do anything, but, but we hit mm -hmm. upon a few that to our amazement were actually um, almost as potent as the thing that came uh, out of this, um, this marine sponge. And, and we were just over the moon about this. And so, so we've, we've continued that project for the last uh, several years. And Andy can talk more about kind of what the development process has been like. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Andy, can can we jump right in here uh, with the art of the science, if you will? Uh, yeah. What does the lab work actually look like? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, a lot of hours at the bench, a lot of, a lot of trial and error, as John said. But, but I have to sort of tell you the backstory, sort of point of perspective. So, you know, John came to me and said, you know, I want, can we make a drug out of this? And, and, and this molecule was huge. And so it was uh, 50 plus tall steps. It was. It would have taken five years just to make one of these, and and that would have been with a, a really really skilled individual to do it. So I just said that's never going to be a drug. So the two of us started to, to uh, think about what we could do, what the important part of this molecule could be, and what we did is we truncated it in half, and we then said, well, if this is the pharmacopoeia. Can we, can we come up with a general synthesis? And what we did is come up with a, a fragment that we could make and then modify readily, readily. And that would allow us to make a number of animals. And as John alluded to, some of them weren't active, but we started to find that we could tweak this structure. And we went, we started where the compound wasn't very potent, but as we started to tweak it, we brought that potency uh, to the point where it's nearly the same as the natural product itself. So it's pretty amazing if you think about it. We've, we've, we've stripped away half the molecule. We've modified it in specific ways. We've got a synthesis now that's about 15 steps. It's more than half the number of steps. And we've approximately made 50 analogs of this at this point, which is really, um, you think about the amount of work. I, I, I worked out the other day, it's, it's probably about 5,000 reactions um, if you did them all at once. And these have to be done multiple times, sometimes 10, 20 times. So that the amount of effort is huge, but it, it's it's when you when you start to sort of see the trends, you can follow them, and we ended up with something that's really potent and works. And so that's the exciting thing now because I think we're at the at the beginning. So this is not the end. This is really the start of now something that can be really exciting because we now have something 
tangible that we can now uh, start to think about um, delivery and, and really treating this. And I think what attracted to me about working with John uh, as a, another side is the, the fact the mechanism was untouched and it probably would never be touched by pharmaceuticals because it's too risky. And I think this is, exemplifies why academic research is so important because academics can go after these risky things, suddenly find out you can develop something that works and then you open the door to others to start to come along with maybe even better compounds. But it's that initial insight and that ability to see past those problems that I think that opens these kind of doors. And, and I think it has to be said that, you know, it was his bringing the problem to us that was really critical to, to sort of kicking this off. Okay, so now that your team has simplified the synthetic version of this marine toxin, what are the next steps? What, you've mentioned the doors are now opened. What are the next steps, for example, in terms of testing that can potentially lead towards uh, maybe mass production as, uh, as a cancer therapy? Where are we going from here? Uh, well, it's, it's a multi-part problem. So, um, so at this point, we're, we're still trying to optimize the, um, the actual bare compound uh, a little bit more to make it a bit more potent. Um, but we have, a, as, as mm -hmm. Andy mentioned, we have a very potent molecule to begin with. Um, what we're trying to figure out is, is this something that we can add to a targeting molecule? And so one of the, one of the um, targeting molecules we're using is an antibody that will recognize something that's on the surface of cancer cells bringing the toxin that we've made specifically to those cells and helping avoid exposure of our healthy, healthy cells to that um, toxin that we've made. So that's one of the major goals. Um, so, so there's a lot of um, trial and error and, and, and strategizing and, and, and more chemistry to do to make this, this compound. Mm -hmm. um, there's also having the right system in which to test these compounds. And so one of the keys to this whole project that we haven't mentioned yet is that Andy and I have partnered with Andrew Craig, who's part of the Cancer Research Institute here at Queens and is, a, is an expert in cancer etiology and, and really cancer metastasis and the drivers of that process. And so in Andrew's lab, mm -hmm. he has a team of people that can help us assess the activity of the, the both the bare compound that we've made, the um, antibody drug conjugate compound that we're aiming to make to help us look at the activity of those on cancer cells of various different types. So right now we're looking at their effects on ovarian cancer cells. We'll be looking at the effects on breast cancer cells and colorectal cancer cells. And maybe to begin to doing mm. some actual animal model studies, which will replicate um, how cancer cells are behaving inside of an actual organism um, that's as close to us as we can get without actually having, having uh, us first study this in a human. And then, and then understand how stable is the compound that we've made? Is it being um, delivered properly to the cells we want? And is it keeping cancer cells at this primary tumor site? And, and maybe even more beneficial, is it killing cancer cells within the tumor? So both preventing metastasis and destroying tumors that are already resident in the organism. Mm -hmm. And so, so none of that could really happen without, I think, Andrew Craig's help. And then, and then of course, Andy's help in getting us um, 
you know, some design plans for making this targeting molecule. And so we contribute to that whole process by saying, okay, maybe we can add this chemical group to this part of the compound and that will, will make it more stable or that will let it have a good activity or, um, or to help with this or the kind of design or the blueprint for what this looks like. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add on there, Andrew? Not really, no, I think it's in on a nutshell. I mean, basically, uh, there's a lot, lot to be done. And, and you know, um, this is an exciting discovery, but I think at the same time, people have to sort of hold in mind that it's a long way from being a drug. Um, this is this is the start. And so if the proof of principle that this mechanism can stop metastasis is critical. And I think we can do that, then I think then others will follow and and maybe this will ultimately be more, uh, more of a successful approach to the treatment of cancer, who knows? But the point is, is that I've always felt from our first discussion, this is worth doing. And so, um, um, and I'm, I'm pleased that, you know, that we've come this far. So hopefully uh, we can come back and visit in a short time and show you that we've kicked on even further. <laughs> so what do you think that they, uh, what do you hope that the impact of this uh, research innovation will be in the near and uh, longer term? Well, I, I think in the, in the nearer term, um, my hope is that we'll have made a drug that can, or a version of a drug that, that can target specifically um, certain populations of cancer cells and, and stop them from moving away from where they are and setting up secondary tumors, which becomes the problem of the disease of metastasis. So if we can demonstrate mm -hmm. that ability in, let's say, a mouse model system, then we'll achieve have achieved a major milestone in this project, um, and 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 all this work will have have meant something, um, and, and and will create, I think, a really new way to treat cancer. Um, the long term is that you know we'll have extra resources available that we can actually build this up. Um, our, our resources to make these molecules, our resources to, to conjugate them to uh, cancer-seeking antibodies, for example, and then push this into a clinical trials program where we can actually see these, uh, this drug going in, in people's arms as IVs, for example, and being able to, to be um, experimental treatments to see whether or not this is effective. Um, so, so as Andy said, there's, there's a ways to go with this and, and all cancer therapies it take time to develop um, but we've just had you know so many um, you know positive outcomes of this it just sort of we, we make steps up in, in, in these big steps we sort of have these you know we, we go along and we go along and we have you know some marginal success and all of a sudden something big happens and then we and then it goes further and further and it was I think you know, this, this project is really destined to get somewhere, just given the positive trajectory it's had. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think it also, um, something we haven't touched on, it, so in detail, it exemplifies how people from completely different areas can come together and have a huge impact on something that's so important as cancer. So not one of us could do this on our own. And we're just really lucky that we're all in the same institution to do this. And so I think, and, and we'll add uh, additional members to this team as we need them. And we've already done that. Um, and so I think that this will grow as we need sort of extra research. But it's a really good example of, of interdisciplinary research, which 
um, could not, you, 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 any one of us just couldn't, couldn't do this. We just don't have the expertise. But together as a team, we're able to address this problem. Thank you for that. It's important to note that interdisciplinarity and collaboration is absolutely critical in this type of research. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Anything else to add before we close today, gentlemen? Yeah, I just, I mean, just to, just to step off what Andy said, I mean, it will be great if we can say we've got a Queens-made anti-cancer drug. We would be absolutely thrilled to be able to, to report that and, and to, to credit Queens University for their support of our research. Uh, over the years and, and the many um, other, you know, funding agencies that have helped support the research as well, not to mention um, an army of outstanding trainees that we've benefited from that really have, have been made the difference between this project working and not working. Andy. Yeah, um, I just echo that, you know, the, the skilled individuals basically really um, it couldn't be done without the people working and putting those long hours in the lab. I think you've always always got to have to have a problem a problem with high impact. If you're doing that, then people will will sort of rise up to that challenge. And you know, if you look at the numbers of, of people who die from metastasis, then being able to address that is so important. So if we if we can get there, um, I truly believe we'll make a huge impact to this disease. And so that that um, is is the goal. It's a lofty goal. But you've got to have lofty goals. You've really got to go for the moon, right? And then hopefully, you know, um, get close. Thank you very much, folks. We've been chatting with doctors John Allingham and Andrew Evans about their research team's successful reproduction of a toxin found in a marine sponge that can block cancer cells from metastasizing. Gentlemen, congratulations and, and thank you so much for joining us on Campus Beat to chat about this important breakthrough in the fight against cancer. Thank you very much. Thanks yeah. so much for having us.